So I Married an Alcoholic is sponsored by RealtorAndABaby.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease real estate? Even if you're not in greater Philadelphia, reach out with your contact information so you can be connected with the most qualified realtor in your area. RealtorAndABaby at gmail.com. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, lords, ladies, bipods, tripods, anthropods. Is that even a word, Megan? I don't. I don't know. I feel like I'm asking the wrong person if that's an actual word. 100%. Give me something from the periodic table. Cats, dogs, spiders, the element lithium. <laughs> Is that better? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, chicks with dicks, dudes with clits. It is season two, <laughs> episode, what episode are we on? 15? I'm all fucked up. It's season two, episode 20 of the world famous chart topping So I Married an Alcoholic podcast. I'm Chris. I'm an alcoholic. And I'm Megan and I'm an alcoholic. Friendly reminder that my pronouns are alcoholic, junkie, and of course, asshole. Absolutely. Well, darling, we are, well, we're in Pittsburgh. We are. Which is a lovely city. It is a lovely city. We are on the last city tour, I guess, of our five-day road trip. Yes, and it has been a lengthy five-day road trip. It sure has. Frankie was a rock star, though. She actually has been because there were many long car rides involved. Yeah, where I think the shortest ride was three and a half hours. Yeah. So uh, I mean, she was a trooper. She really was. And she conquered her fear of tunnels. <laughs> she certainly did. She used to be going. She used to go through a tunnel and just cover her eyes and go all done, all done, all done. 55 times because after all she is my daughter and she repeats things at this age they're well somewhat appropriate (laughs) i'm sure that will go downhill very quickly though yeah so we're very proud of the crank for uh conquering her fear of the tunnel now she looks out the window at the tunnel walls like you can't fuck with me i got this (laughs) i got you bitch (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm gonna make you my bitch there's many tunnels on the road trip Want to make sure we thank the sponsors, Marlane Graphics, MarlaneGraphics.com for all of your printing needs, and Realtor and a Baby, RealtorAndABaby.com for all of your real estate needs. Couple of things, very, very important things. Next weekend, we're going to showcase some of the fine work that Marlane Graphics does. We sure are. In my never-ending pursuit it's almost like dogs pee on things to mark their territory. Mm-hmm. I feel it's my life's mission to put my name on pretty much everything. And really your photo, honey. Yes, of course. Chris likes looking at himself. Even though I, I do have an amazing voice for radio and podcasting and probably like 800 sex lines, I also have a beautiful face. Yeah. At least I like to think so. I mean, I think so, too. You know what the best part of this episode is going to be? I don't even care how it comes out, Meg. That we're not looking at each other? Yep. I don't, I'm off my game because of it, and you're off your game because we're not in a soundproof room, so we'll have to see how this goes. No, I, unlike you, have not only conquered my alcoholism, but I have conquered my inability to adapt to any and all situations. You literally were just commenting how you could hear me pee through the microphone. That this room is not adequate. Very upsetting. This is a (laughs) terribly acoustic. It's almost like autistic. (laughs) Terrible acoustics in this room. However, I want to make sure we thank Marriott Spring Hill Suites, Midtown Pittsburgh, for putting us up in this lovely suite. And also, 
Megan's 800 FICO score for making it happen. <laughs> All right, where was I, darling? Um, yes, so my never-ending pursuit to uh, be a marketing whore, or genius, depending on how you look at it. Marlene Graphics has made us a fantastic four-panel tent. Two of the panels have my lovely face on them. Actually, I I'm actually a lot smarter than I think I am. All four panels have my face on them. Mm-hmm. I'm not too self-consuming, am I? No, not at all, hon. But anyway, so long story short, Marlene Graphics made us a beautiful canopy. It has the Real Turn of Baby logo on it, as well as the So I Married an Alcoholic logo on it. We will be unveiling it at Jim and Velia's Bed and Breakfast for the inaugural Memorial Day weekend shit show. And we cannot wait. I'm so ready to start beach season. I as well. I think we beached pretty regularly last summer we sure did although it was kind of weird especially last summer and the summer before that with the whole covid thing some people i guess respected the social distancing thing some people on day two of covid were over it and wanted to live their lives you know power to you whatever party you're in mm -hmm. we respect that also next week we have nick learman on yes from team foster a good friend of the show and of ours absolutely and as you are all well aware the Team Foster Rough Ride Philly is taking place June 4th and 5th at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. There is still time to sign up. There is still room to join the So I Married an Alcoholic team. We are, of course, as always, in dire need of peddlers. And Team Foster really needs and appreciates your help. So come out and join us. Um, we have an RV. It's going to be a 24-hour long party. I literally cannot wait. I know. I'm really excited, except for the pedaling part. So people come and pedal. Yeah, I'm not too excited about that. But yeah. it's unfortunately a part of the process. I know. So make sure you go to teamfoster.org, register, join a team. So I married an alcoholic. Come help us out. Help us help Team Foster. Okay. Now, do you, do you have a PSA, my love? I don't tonight. No. Ooh. I mean, I, I think I've really, truly beaten the left lane travelers to death. I do think that. Uh, I think we've done, you know, a couple of good PSAs as far as the summer travel season goes, inflating your tires. Everyone knows husbands are bullshit. <laughs> yes, husbands are indeed bullshit. Here's a good PSA for you. Okay. It's the summer season. Megan has talked about this before, I think, on at least a couple of different episodes, how the nicer weather is sometimes more of a trigger for her. Oh, absolutely. So this particular PSA, as is all of the other PSAs, is brought to you by Auntie Gay P's House of Fetishes. Auntie Gay P's House of Fetishes for all of your double penetration needs. So please... If you have people that you know are struggling, be it alcoholism, addiction, even if you don't think they're struggling, but they sort of just maybe push it a little bit too hard at the, the summer barbecue, if you will, keep an eye on them. Don't pressure them. Just keep an eye on them. That's all. Look out for your friends. I think that's good advice. Thank you, darling. And that concludes our most respectful PSA brought to you by Auntie Gay P's House of Fetishes. And now, for the topic of the evening, we shall do gratitude. Ooh. And that's a good one. And you know what? I, Megan and I were just talking before we sat down to record. And I was like, you know what? We could actually talk at length about the road trip itself. 
But frankly, I don't think we're that interesting of people. No, and you know what? We had, I mean, we had a good time, but there was a lot more driving than I anticipated. Not that, I mean, I knew that the car rides were long, but I was like in my mind envisioning all these like trips to these cities we've never seen and like exploring the city and, you know, immersing ourselves in whatever they do in Cleveland and Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. But in reality, we spent most of the time driving and like an hour and a half enjoying each city. Yep. Quick meal. Couple of shits. Yeah. Back in the car. So it wasn't really what I envisioned, but I mean, it was still a good trip. It, it was a great time. I mean, the weather was absolutely perfect. It's the end of May in the northeast of the country, which can, I guess, frankly, go either way. Mm-hmm. Like you can literally get snow. Or it could be 100 degrees. Yeah, which we had like almost both of those things. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of the interesting part about being in, the, yeah. in this part of the country. You, you get all the all the seasons. <laughs> yeah. There was a 30 degree temperature swing in a 12 hour period. Sounds about right. And then we had, so the reason that we went on the road trip was Megan's cousin who lives in Cincinnati got married. Yes. And I do think it's important to talk about the sanctity of marriage. Okay. How about that? Sure. That's a surprise. So we got to the ceremony. Great little venue. Great venue. Frankie's running around. She's having a blast. She quite literally thinks that all of these people got dressed up for her. She sure did. They all just gathered in Cincinnati to see Frankie throw a tantrum for four hours. She threw no tantrums, actually. She was exceptional at the wedding. She was. She was actually a great wedding guest. But I'm sitting there, and they do the whole... You know, everybody comes walking down the aisle. And I actually, this may surprise you, but I get super emotional at weddings. No, I know you do. Which is kind of interesting because I wouldn't necessarily pin myself to be that kind of guy. But anyways, you know, the bride and the groom, they meet at the altar and they hold hands and and embrace each other. And then they say their vows. And the reason that I get so emotional, I kid you not, Megan, like I think back to our wedding day. And then I think of what it was like when our you know, individual parents got married and and came together for that that union of marriage. And I'm thinking to myself, these people have no idea how fucked they are. (laughs) Is that really your message, honey? That's the message. Okay. That's it. Let's talk about gratitude. Sanctity of marriage. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's really inspiring. Not meant to be inspiring. Okay. It's meant to be a good reality check. You don't have to do it. Are you glad you did? Well, yeah, of course. Okay. Health insurance, roof over my head. These are all things that are wrapped up into gratitude, by the way. Don't you see how this all just meshes together? Okay, why don't you go first with your gratitude? Mm, I think that it is super easy to be very grateful on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, when you first crack sobriety, you know, day one, week one, month one. I think the further you get away from that ground zero, if you will, the less and less it it plays, I guess, front and center, if that makes sense. And we have, again, you and I collectively, individually, in our own different ways, have a, a ton of things to be grateful for. And sometimes I think it's really easy to lose sight of that. Again, the further you get away from that initial, you know, when you first come into sobriety, It's painful. Very. You know, your back is against the wall financially, legally. 
I think emotionally, if you're not a train wreck, you're probably some sort of psychopath. Mm -hmm. I think people, again, the further they get away from that first or initial step into sobriety, I don't want to say the less grateful they become, but I think it becomes a lot easier to not be grateful regularly. Does that make sense? Maybe. So when you first started this, I was like, actually, I don't agree with that at all. I'm more grateful today than I was back then. I was all butthurt back then and defensive. But I think it's easy to forget where you came from, if that's kind of where you're going with it. Like how there's so much to be grateful for every day because we start to, the farther out we are, take things for granted. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of six and one half dozen of the other, no? Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I understand where you're going with it now. Oh, I didn't I, at first. I got you. Okay. Yeah, so I just, I don't know. I, again, individually, collectively, we have a lot of things to be grateful for. And I think that, especially for me, that has evolved tremendously since, you know, I, I came into the program or I took that first initial step into sobriety. If you asked me what I was grateful for, you know, four and a half years ago, I think some of the things would remain the same, like the fact that I'm not dead, the fact that I have a roof over my head. Did I ever think I would ever answer that question with, I'm grateful that I have an amazing, loving wife. I'm grateful that I have, you know, your, your son, Mac. Am I grateful that I have Frankie? No, like that that sort of stuff was never on my radar, right? Mm -hmm. But again, I think it evolves over time. And, and I can tell you that even for me, sometimes it's not easy to be grateful on a daily basis because the things that I struggle with now, again, were not the same things necessarily that I struggled with four and a half years ago, if that makes sense, right? Yeah, and I think a wedding's always a good time where it kind of reminds you of being grateful or how good your life is. You're surrounded by family. You're surrounded by love. It's a joyful occasion. And I think, you know, it kind of puts you outside of that daily grind to kind of look deeper, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you see these two people that are, again, coming together as individuals, but ready to start this new union. And it, for me, it makes me think back to you know, what life was like before I met you and how much life is different now. And, you know, again, we, we do honesty. It's not puppies and rainbows every day, but I would not give up what we have for anything. And that, that in and of itself is not only a victory, but something to be incredibly grateful for. And anything proud of. Oh, absolutely. You know? To make that commitment to another person, to yourself, to your sobriety. You know, that's the only reason any of these things are possible. Well, absolutely. Well, I mean, they're only possible because, you know, I made that commitment to live a sober life a couple of years ago. I, I was not capable of looking outside of myself for anything. You know, it was all about me 24-7. And, and I guess a byproduct of that was, you know, it was all about the drugs and the alcohol, the next hit, the next drink, the next whatever. And again, I, I'd like to say that, you know, the decisions that I make on a daily basis now are, you know, somehow Frankie and Megan and Mac are intertwined into those. And yes, I'm sure subconsciously they are, but I could still be, you know, selfish, Chris. Really? 
Yeah, I know. Shocking, isn't it? Very. You know, things I'm working on, but oh well. <laughs> grateful to be here. Grateful for my sobriety. Also grateful for the journey. You know, pre-sobriety, post-sobriety. The journey that Meg and I decided to start three years ago or is actually, is it going to be three years next month? No, four. Four years ago? Whatever. Time's stupid. Yeah. So that's that's my spiel on gratitude. What do you got? Uh, I have a couple of things. I actually did a lot of thinking about gratitude this trip. Ooh. I know. A lot of seat time. A lot of seat time. And when we started out the trip, I was a little bit annoyed with Chris and maybe even for the first half. Shocking. So I had time to mull that over or obsess about it. Or sit in your shit, but that's neither here nor there. So I actually spent a lot of that time, though, thinking about what I was grateful for. Mm. Funny enough, the night before we left, Chris throws out some bullshit about I was talking to a friend and, you know, we were talking about a relationship and giving some advice And we talked about, I said, you know, I think you just need to decide if you want to be in a relationship or if it's that person. Like, you know, are they really the one for you? And I know that sounds silly and I don't know if everyone believes in a the one or whatever. Um, But anyway, I was telling Chris about it and Chris goes, well, are you are you sure I'm the one for you? And I was caught off guard and I was like, I mean, I thought so. And. Chris then goes on this whole spiel about how he's not sure I'm the one for him. Because, you know, I like to keep it fresh. Yeah. Or just be an asshole. Yeah. So Whatever. Any- anyway, that totally got me, like, in my head. And so the first, you know, leg of the journey, I spent thinking about why is Chris the one for me? Because I can't change the fact if he's decided I'm not the one for him, Right. But what is it that keeps me in this relationship? Hmm, that's a very good question. Yes. Go ahead, tell us, darling. And so it's funny, I do know Chris is the one for me. Oh. Some moments, a lot of times, I'm not exactly sure why, if that (laughs) makes sense. (laughs) Like when I'm dealing with his bullshit and I'm like, why is he the one for you? I don't know. And sometimes I go back and think, you know, is it because... When we first started dating, I was in such a bad place and Chris really built me up. You know, I've said this before. I do credit him with finally working a program, getting sober, staying sober. And he also like built me up when I needed it so that now I don't need it as much. Does that make sense? I think to a certain extent, yes, it does make sense. I think also that we all need it. No, we definitely all need it. I'm not saying that. And you're horrendous at it. I am saying that. What I'm (laughs) saying is I no longer need it in that quote unquote needy sense. I don't need to function every day by Chris waking up and telling me that, I'm pretty or I'm worth it or I'm this or I'm that because I've worked a program. I have that in myself now. Mm -hmm. So I needed him a lot in the beginning and I don't need him anymore. I love him and I want to spend the rest of my life with him and he's the one for me, not because of those reasons. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, So I don't know. I think that's a big thing. 
Um, I also, uh, going along with that, and this sounds so silly and surface for gratitude, but any woman or man, I don't know, any person who has ever felt any type of insecurity will appreciate this, I think. One of the things I was super grateful for is we went to this wedding. I had to get myself ready and Frankie ready. About halfway through like this, the reception, I realized I never painted my nails and forgot to put on jewelry. But I actually felt super confident Sunday night at the wedding. Oh. I thought maybe my bra strap was hanging out a little bit. You Definitely know, was. My dress was probably a little bit wrinkled because it was linen. But I felt really good about the way I looked. And I know that sounds silly, but a lot of my drinking revolved around those insecurities. Like drinking at an event like that was often because I didn't feel like I was enough. And that's what filled that void. Mm. And so being at that wedding, I had such a good time and I didn't need to drink because I felt good about myself, even though I didn't have nail polish on and I forgot to wear jewelry and I don't, my boobs look a lot worse than they did pre second child. But I don't know. I had that like inner self confidence that I didn't need any of that. And I I think that is a huge personal accomplishment that's only possible because of working the 12 steps. Okay. I was actually just going to interject there for a moment. I, my question would have been, is that something that I did? Not because I'm selfish and self-centered, because I would 100% correct you and say, no, no, sister, you got it all wrong. That has nothing to do with a man. Yeah, no. So in the beginning, yes. In the beginning, I needed that attention and you gave it to me. Mm. But because you gave it to me, but more importantly, because you gave me this program, I don't need it from outside sources. I see. Now, are you still supposed to tell your wife she looks pretty? Absolutely. No. Hands down. Honeymoon's over. Doesn't matter. That's I actually, do tell you you look pretty. I'm not accusing you. I'm just saying that's still something that should occur in marriage. Advice to everyone out there. Good blanket statement. Okay. But no, that inner self-confidence is something that I got from this program. Absolutely. We talked about that on several different occasions. This you know, fears, doubts, and insecurities. I don't care if you call yourself an alcoholic, if you're a practicing alcoholic, unpracticing alcoholic. By unpracticing, I mean like, you know, still drinking and, and doing drugs. I don't care who you are. To some extent, a Oprah, you can talk about some of the most famous, successful people in the world. And I guarantee you, if you had an open and honest conversation with them, they would tell you that at some point in time, fears, doubts, and insecurities ran their lives. And Absolutely. I think, you know, the, the main difference is that the alcoholic, you know, covers it with alcohol. Workaholics cover it with work. You know, I, I think there's numerous different ways to explain that. But it, again, fears, doubts, and insecurity run everybody's lives. I don't really care who you are. Yeah. So that little bit of insecurity that has been dialed down, I guess, in my sobriety is something I'm super grateful for. No, that's awesome. Um, and another thing about being at that wedding and being sober, because I have been to family weddings where I have been very unsober, mm. mm -hmm, is I enjoyed every minute of it. And remembered. I remembered. 
And I am so glad I remembered because Frankie was pure magic. That's the only way to describe it. That little girl danced in the middle of the dance floor for hours on end. The only time she wasn't dancing is when she was playing outside because there was like a grassed area with like lawn games. And then she'd go back in for more dancing. I mean, she literally danced the entire time and she was pure magic. At one point I was like, I hope the photographer got pictures of the bride because she (laughs) was dancing. She just like radiated this joy and happiness. And I got to absorb every single minute of it Mm -hmm. because I was a not drunk and b not more concerned about myself. All I cared about was watching her. Or C, not hooking up with the caterer or the bartender in like the back of the catering or bartending van. I think that's you. Speak for yourself. Wow, please, honey. (laughs) Don't act like you're better than that. I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm sure you've done that many events. It's not about me. (laughs) So that is another thing I'm grateful for. And the fact that we road tripped 10,000 million hours. And even though Chris can get on my nerves, even though we both have our faults, We had a genuinely good time and we enjoyed each other's company. And the only thing I regret is that I was annoyed at him and I waited until Sunday morning to tell him because then I get mad at myself that I wasted that time where we could have been having better conversation or laughing at more things or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you make it super unproductive sitting in your own shit. Yeah, but then you can't even talk about your shit because you can't talk about feelings. What happened when I told you I was feeling? I was like, stop being a pussy. Shut up. No, you blew off our morning plans and laid in bed and pouted it for two hours. I don't think that's true. It's 100% true. No, I took a ride somewhere. After the pouting. And then I think you came back and pouted it. I may have. Yeah, he's a powder. I need a good pout every now and then. That's understandable. You can't blame me for that. No, I'm just saying. You sit in your shit and I pout. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. I know. So here's the other part of that, though, right? So when I was talking to my friend... And she was kind of like, well, I don't know. That's the problem. I'm not sure. And I'm like, oh, God, I wish I could offer you awesome advice right now, but I can't. Because I can tell you you have to like decide how you feel. But on a daily basis, I am baffled by how I feel about things. Meaning? Like, you know, does this make you happy? Does it make you sad? I, I honestly sometimes am still baffled by it. And one of the promises in AA is that things that baffled us will now come easy. I must be doing it wrong because 95% of the time I'm still baffled. Are you overthinking it? Oh, probably. I'm probably is, overthinking things. Is that an things. accurate question? Yeah, I, I think I am over. I, yeah, I think that is it because I like I said I was annoyed with you or whatever. And you call it sitting in my shit and maybe part of it is. But I genuinely am trying to figure it out. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Absolutely. Like. I- do I have a right to be annoyed right now or am I being like over dramatic? I'm sure the answer is somewhere in the middle, but like I, it's not that I'm like shutting down or sitting in my shit. My mind is going a thousand miles a minute trying to figure it out because if mm. I can figure it out, then I can decide how to proceed. Does that make sense? It does. And I think, I don't know, maybe I think this is a light bulb moment for, Uh, Maybe us, uh, certainly me, maybe uh, tons and tons of other people out there. Is it wrong to not overthink it or to not want to overthink it and just accept the situation as is? So 
I, yes, in a sense, except I don't think that there's some things you should just accept. Okay, that's fair. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I, I think sometimes with AA stuff, you take that part to the extreme. Such as? Like, you, well, you can't change it. You can't change the situation. You can't change someone else's behavior, which is all true. Mm-hmm. Except that doesn't mean that behavior doesn't need to change. Does that make sense? So I definitely agree with that. I can say, I don't know, maybe I just, maybe I just handle things differently. Cause again, like I want to say, and you can tell me if I'm, you know, completely full of shit on this. I think when it comes to our relationships or our relationship, I'm like, well, it is what it is. We'll figure it out. However, if it comes to a real estate deal and I'm negotiating, I am trying to think of 85 million different ways that that, that, that other agent is either trying to out-negotiate me or somehow come through the back door with some sort of surprise. Like I am trying to literally cover 18,000 different scenarios that are never going to come up. So like when it comes to the relationship sort of stuff, I'm like, well, it is what it is. We'll figure it out. And then when it comes to the business side of things, I'm like, well, we'll figure it out is 100% not enough. So maybe you need to meet in the middle, I think. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because I get that. Yeah. With relationship stuff, we'll figure it out. But that's not where you can't end it there. No, so I can see now that we're having this conversation that that may not be the most effective gateway to happiness. Yeah, like it is what it is, isn't actually the truth. Like it isn't what it is. I mean, it may be today, but... Sometimes yes, sometimes no. You always have an opportunity for growth. And I so I think that's, you know, like I said, where I my mind gets like messed up. Like, is this something I call him out on? Is it something that I'm overreacting on? You know, that type of thing. So, yes, do I sit in my shit, as you call it? Maybe. But it's not like I'm sitting there self-deprecating. I'm literally trying to figure it out. And I know that sounds silly, but even, you know, this long into sobriety, sometimes things that may seem simple to people aren't for me. Like, it's hard for me to read a situation or to know what the best next step is. Maybe that's something that I just need to be more in tune with and more sensitive to. Maybe. I I mean, I think... Do you think it's a a male versus female thing? So when you look back at your many previous partners, do you think that they not or were not guilty of overthinking things? I don't know for the overthinking things with partners. I think what I've noticed is oftentimes, I don't think partners I've had, and again, then I'll go like, well, maybe that's me. These are the partners I choose. (laughs) I don't think they're good at listening, if that makes sense. I think my number one thing that I've always said to you is, all I want is to be heard. And that doesn't mean, and I think a lot of women feel this way, because you hear that a lot. Like if if your wife's upset and they want to talk about something, They don't, and maybe it goes to that male-female thing where Mm. men want to be problem solvers, but we don't actually necessarily want you to give us a solution. We want you to acknowledge the way we feel about something. But I would say that that's almost impossible because as a male creature, we're not that, A, intuitive. I I mean, let's face it, the, the male 
is a pretty straightforward, uncomplicated type person. I think, though, what I'm saying is when I'm saying this is how I feel, what do you normally say? Call your sponsor. No. I mean, sometimes you say that, but I'm like... No, I actually, I probably say, like, you're a pussy. Move on. Or, no, it's, this is actually what you're thinking. No, it's because of this. No, it's, and I'm like, no. So it's actually not. Does that make sense? It does. Now, let me ask you this. Maybe I heard you wrong. Maybe I'm making this up. Maybe I'm just being super defensive right now. When you said that, you know, what you've said to me on numerous occasions, as well as other partners, is that you just want to be heard. Is that a communication issue on your end? Yeah, no, or, I don't. Or again, are males just stupid? So it's probably a little bit of both. Sure. I think that I do, I try not to be reactive. Which is hard, again, I think, for both of us, right? Very, and I, that's taken me a while, but I also let things build. And so sometimes when I do finally get it out, it could be like three weeks worth of shit. Yeah, or you're completely on a different planet trying to explain something else. And I'm just like baffled sitting there like, I don't understand. Right. Because, you know, there's part (laughs) of me that's like, I, you know, don't be oversensitive. So then I like try to let things lie, but then they don't always lie. You know, they just build and build. And then so by Mm. the time. So I think that's part of it. No, but I mean, if I'm going to be super honest with you right now, and this may sound harsh. Ooh, go ahead. I'm listening. And I think this is an AA thing. Chris got sober like four months before me or something and like worked all his steps already by the time he met me and like all this stuff. Sometimes I think that Chris thinks he is the leader of AA. He And when I first came in, he was to me. I mean, he was totally like a mentor, like not my sponsor. Obviously, I went, I got a female sponsor, all that kind of stuff. But like any questions I had about how I was feeling or what I was thinking, I would turn to him because I'm like, he knows the answer. And so one of the things that has happened through the four years of our relationship is I actually have worked my own program and I continue to on a daily basis and I actually do a decent job at it. So I still think sometimes Chris goes back to that four years ago where he was like universes ahead of where I was and almost in a sense uses it as like, I don't know, a crutch or does that make sense? So I I understand what you're saying because I'm listening to you. I'm hearing you. (laughs) I am comprehending you. I will say 100% that is a perception issue on Megan's part. Really? Yes, because I am a firm believer in the anonymous portion of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm not a big time counter I don't care if you have one day, 10 years, 100 years, whatever it is, you are no better than. You can be worse than, I guess, but there is no better than when it comes to AA. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I've ever thrown a time thing, you know, on you or anything like that. That's just, that's not necessarily how I roll. I I 100% say that that's a, a perception issue. So I don't think you throw a time thing, but I do think you throw at me things like 
that, if that makes sense. Again, I'm going to say no, but, you know, we can work on that. Well, Megan's adjusting herself over there. Shit's about to get real. No, I don't. I mean, okay, I guess I'm wrong. You heard it here. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you something. This is going to be the longest fucking four and a half hour drive home tomorrow. (laughs) It's either going to be silent and we're both sitting in our shit or it's going to be super productive. Time will tell. Yeah, so it doesn't have to be like silent like that. No, I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying it's going to go one of two ways. Yeah. Either way, I absolutely love you. I adore you. It smells like complete shit in this room. Mm-hmm. Pranky took a dump. I think several. I think Megan took a shit. <laughs> I did not. I think everybody shit. I, all the hotel guests came and shit in this room. That's how <laughs> bad it smells. That being said, darlings, things to look forward to. Nick Lehrman, Team Foster, next week. It'll be episode 21, Memorial Day weekend coming up. I'm sure it's a big party weekend for everybody. So please be safe. Again, keep an eye on your friends. Keep an eye on those that are struggling. Just take care of the people you care about, I guess, is the bottom line. Anything else, my love? No. Any parting words of wisdom? No, I'm good. Can we please find this diaper? I told you where it is. It's in that trash bag. I told you to take it out to the real trash when you went outside. You're like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't listen. I have more time than you. Yeah, exactly. All right, darling. Say goodnight. I'm Megan, and I'm an alcoholic. I'm Chris. I'm an alcoholic. Cut off your pet's privates. And please, if you are struggling in any way, put your hand up, reach out, ask for help. So I Married an Alcoholic is sponsored by RealtorAndABaby.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease real estate? Even if you're not in greater Philadelphia, reach out with your contact information so you can be connected with the most qualified realtor in your area. RealtorAndABaby at gmail.com.